Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 14 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson, and we're excited to talk to you guys about upcoming football season. Um, you know, we're hoping that it's something that's going to be happening. Um, you can read all about our take on the upcoming season and the current season at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, we're both active users on the forum there. Um, you can also check us out on Twitter. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. He's at Gabe Fergie. Um, and, you know, tonight we wanted to talk a little bit about the AFC North and, and you know, the six games that we're going to see on the schedule from those guys. Um, and we thought we'd start it at kind of the bottom of the AFC North. So who do you think is going to be there, Gabe? Yeah, I think it's going to be Cincinnati again at the bottom. I, I think they're an improved team from where they were last year when they were, you know, number one draft pick. Um, obviously, the number one draft pick netted them Joe Burrow, who is – I think a, a really talented quarterback. Um, it's, it's he's really kind of you know one year wonder in college. So it, there's a little bit of pause there. Although his one season is arguably the best season we've ever seen from a college quarterback. So I think that having that player to kind of build around is a great piece for the future. I don't know exactly how it's going to translate in 2020. Um, I think they have a decent team. They have some good offensive weapons. I mean, they still have AJ Green. Tyler Boyd's been a solid receiver. They drafted T. Higgins, so they have some some weapons on the outside. They still have that uh, speedster John Ross, who you know maybe he'll finally break out and like his was it fourth season, fifth season now. Maybe um, his fourth season. I, there's no yeah. way they took the option on his fifth season yet. Yeah, I, I don't. I think they might have passed on his option. Um, Joe Mixon, he's a good. Good running back, Vito Gio Bernard, another good running back. You know, so there's weapons there. They don't really have much of the tight end position. Um, I think the biggest issue for them is the offensive line. Um, probably the weakest, you know, entire position group on the team. So that's not exactly something you want when you have a rookie quarterback, especially in a division that I think has a couple of pretty good defenses. So that might be a pain point early on for the Bengals, but you know, the their defense is, is not going to be great either. They have some still some good players, you know, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. Um, you know, they, they have a couple of good good defensive backs. Um, I, I don't know. They drafted a couple of rookie uh, linebackers. So, you know, they have some players there that are have some potential. But I think they're going to be a team that's giving up a lot of points. I think they'll be a team that might score a decent number of points. It might be like a mid-tier offensive team. Um, in the end, I think it's kind of going to be like a – you know, a four to six win team. So not something that I'm really concerned about in terms of the division, but someone who's going to be a little more feisty than they were last year. Yeah. I think the first question when it comes to what the Bengals are going to do in 2020 is were they really a zero win or not zero win, but were they really the worst team in the league last year? I think, you know, realistically speaking, there was definitely a little bit of tanking going on with them, right? You know, in terms of benching Andy Dalton, uh, just kind of some decisions of what it seemed like they were trying to do down the stretch were clearly attempting to lose games. 
at that stage. So I think their baseline actually, I, I mean, I think that they were more like a four to six win team last year um, if AJ Green would have bothered to play. But again, I think I think that there was kind of an adjoint agreement between both of them that he just wasn't going to play last year if it wasn't going to look like it amounted to anything either. Um, so I think the baseline might be a little bit higher than it seems like it is with those guys. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, on the offensive side, I mean, you've got a lot of names. And if T Higgins can be, you know, somebody that is, that is, you know, legitimately as good as his draft status said it was, then they're a pretty dangerous team in terms of weapons and the offense that they had built prior to, to, um, you know, this past year was one that got the ball out quickly. Dalton was a guy that the Ravens had a really hard time kind of pursuing from a pass rush perspective, I feel like on a regular basis and not because they weren't throwing guys at him, but because the Bengals were always working to get, to get the ball out of his hand, have him make quick decisions, not let him hold on to the ball too long and make, make bad decisions overall. Um, I think when you drop a guy like Joe Burrow into a system like that, you're going to have better initial reads and better throws that come out of that um, potentially. And yeah, there are going to be some rookie hiccups, but um, you know, I think that Dalton was one of those meh kind of guys, right? I, you know, again, I still think they would have won more games with him there last year. I don't think they're better than a six or seven win team either. I think that threshold to kind of get to that eight plus wins is, is tough in the NFL, no matter kind of what breed you are. And especially when you have a rookie quarterback, but um, you know, some of it is also kind of contingent on health too, right? Because, you know, you're right. They, they added Trey Waynes. They added Mackenzie Alexander. They basically added the Vikings secondary. <laughs> um, but both guys I liked and I liked kind of from the cost perspective of what the Cincinnati did in the offseason. I thought they did really good in terms of value for who they were able to add um, in veterans across some of those positions. They really they had needed some help at cornerback. Um, so. You know, I think they're going to be the worst team in this division as well. Um, and I don't think there's there's really there shouldn't be a lot of question about that overall. Um, but I think that there's a, there's some potential for them to to not be a complete and, and utter train wreck this upcoming year and, and maybe even surprise some people. Yeah, they brought in another team or player, too. That is pretty um, good. I think someone they needed in DJ Reader. Um, a pretty underrated defensive tackle is in Houston for the first uh, four years of his career. Um, and I think he, alongside, um, you know, Geno Atkins up front is going to be a really good defensive tackle combo. And then you still have, you still have Dunlap who's, you know, kind of ageless. He's been really good for a long time. Um, they have a couple of younger, uh, defensive ends who have some you know, upside between, uh, Sam Hubbard and, uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking about. Awesome. Um, yeah. Carl Lawson, who you really flashed at times, um, especially as a pass rusher. So I think there's definitely talent there. Um, you know, last year, their, I think their head coach was a little over his head. Um, he probably wasn't quite ready to be a head coach in the NFL. And, they, and maybe they knew that and knew that next, last year was going to be kind of uh, a year to get him some experience, um, you know, maybe plan on having a, a down year and then, you know, have him come back with a, with a better roster and see, and see what – they can do maybe they can make some noise um i think the biggest obstacle for them is just playing in a really tough division and i think you know as we talk about this a little bit more we'll see that that it, it is it's not the best division in the football definitely one of the top two to three divisions in the football i think it's probably the best division in the afc right now um but yeah the Bengals. i wouldn't be surprised if you know if they win a couple of division games i think you know they definitely are going to have the ability to stick around um, 
And, and really, it, it's mostly going to hinge on how Joe Burrow looks as a rookie. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, can you protect him, first of all, um, with your offensive line? It's been really poor the past couple of years. And two, you know, how good is he going to be um, under pressure? How poised is he? You know, he, he really showed the ability to, to be very poised in the pocket, to um, manage the pocket very well, to move, um, to make plays with his feet. Um, those are things he did really well at LSU. And it's going to be interesting to see, can he translate that directly into the NFL? Or is he going to take, you know, a year to to try and kind of find his groove? Um, and and what, 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 what is he going to become as an NFL quarterback? You know, number one quarterbacks, generally, you know, they do pretty well, I think. But sometimes they're, they miss. And so you're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a growing year for that team, you know, and and I think, you know, I think it it leaves the AFC North with a pretty clear hierarchy this upcoming year. I think there would generally be consensus among anybody that was taking a look at this division pretty closely about kind of who was next on that tier. And and I kind of label that as the Cleveland Browns. Now, you know, who knows? Cleveland Browns, you can't start a conversation about the Cleveland Browns and just not talk about how it seems like they just implode every time you would expect them to be better. You know, two years ago, obviously, you know, people didn't think they were going to be that great. They were okay. And then everyone's like, okay, they're going to take the step, next step this year. They added a lot of talent. Seemed like they had it all together. And then, I don't know, it was everybody from Mayfield to Hitchens to or Kitchens to, you know, Beckham was fine, I think, overall. But then, you know, Miles My- Garrett going haywire on the football field. Um, and, and getting his, you know, it's just like, can Cleveland just have a normal season? I, I think, you know, if we're talking about a team that can just have a normal season, the talent there as a starting point should be a nine-win team, right? Um, even if they're just, you know, nothing, you know, no no breaks going the right way, no breaks going the wrong way. Um, Austin Hooper, I thought, was a good addition for them. They really needed the Jack Conklin addition to, to shore up that offensive line. Um, but they look much better across the board on offense. Chubb and Hunt are are letting you kind of split those those snaps from running back. Peoples Jones, I think, was the perfect fit for what they needed to add um, for a wide receiver. He kind of he fits he fits the mold well for what they needed and fits in kind of that team well. And then if you look at their defense, I mean, they've got some questions at at inside linebacker um, from from kind of where things went previously. But obviously, when you've got Miles Garrett. Um, you know, and you've got Denzel Ward, you're in, in good shape at, at two premium positions. Um, I think that compared to the Ravens and the Steelers, by example, their defense lacks a lot of talent across the board. Um, but, you know, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, you know, they should be able to do enough. So there's a competitive team there. Again, to me, the question is, do these guys just implode again? And, you know, a couple losses could rip this team apart at the seams, it feels like. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that happened in the offseason was something you didn't even mention, and that's getting a new head coach. Um, Because I think Freddie Kitchens was, you know, in over his head last year, similar to what we saw um, with, with Cincinnati. The head coach was just was not ready. And... I, I don't think that Kitchens was somebody who was ever qualified to be a head coach. He might not even be qualified to be an offensive coordinator. Um, he kind of just like lucked into that kind of role, I think, with you know a Baker Mayfield flash in a pan half season, 
And all of a sudden he was like seen as a guy that has to be the head coach. And he really didn't have a clue what he was doing. Um, and I think when you have someone like uh, Stefanski, who, you know, he's been under the kind of Kubiak tutelage for, for several years now, he has that, that pedigree dating back, you know, all the way to like, like Shanahan, he knows how to run an offense. Um, he has much more experience, I think, uh, being a leader um, for in a team and, and the, in the locker room. And I think that alone is, is going to set the tone for that team. Um, and hopefully for them, um, you know, and kind of just raise the standard, um, maybe improve the level of maturity in the locker room. Because if you look at the players in the locker room, that's something that's severely lacking. And it starts potentially from the head coach, but also at the quarterback, you know, Baker Mayfield, he hasn't exactly been the, the pillar of, of, of leadership, I think. Um, and then you have players like Odell Beckham, who's wildly talented, but also, you know, very immature at times. He's just going to say whatever he's going to say. And he might, you know, be a player who could just not care at times and not maybe give it his all on every play. And I think that trickles down when you have your star players who aren't necessarily, you know, having their heads screwed on in the right, right direction. Um, because I think if you do look at the pure roster talent, um, they might be a top five team in the AFC just based off of the talent. Um, and it, I, I agree with you. I think their offense is probably uh, – better than the defense at this point, especially um, so with some of the upgrades they made on the offensive line. They also drafted Jedrick Wills, um, who I think is going to be a, a really good offensive tackle. Um, and, that, and that was one of the major pain points for the team last year. The offensive line just wasn't that good. And even though they got all these weapons um, on offense, they didn't have an offensive line that was able to support the quarterback. And, and Baker Mayfield, he really suffered from that. He was kind of you know, seeing pressure sometimes when it didn't exist, and then he was making bad decisions. He was bailing on plays. He just, he just didn't look like he was poised at all in in his, you know, his second season that that sophomore slump. That generally is a season where you want a quarterback to see the big leap. I think if you look historically, the quarterbacks generally make their biggest leap from the first or second year. He did the opposite. He imploded in his second year. So is that kind of just? a function of having a bad environment, uh, you know, a, a bad offensive mind as the head coach who d maybe didn't really know what he was doing, a bad environment. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, but similar to what we talked about in Cincinnati with the, with the kind of quarterbacks really being where it starts, I think for, for the Browns, you know, their season's going to depend on how Baker Mayfield looks. If he plays the same way he did last year, they're going to be an 8-1 team at best. If he can elevate his game to be something like we saw – when he was a rookie, although it might've been a little exaggerated by the kind of teams he was playing. I think, I still think they can be, you know, a nine, 10, probably a playoff team, nine, 10 win playoff team. Well, if you look at what Stefanski did with the Vikings, I think first and foremost, it starts with running the ball and play action. Um, they're going to totally lighten the load of what was on Mayfield from last year. Um, and it's really hard to argue that that won't improve the team just as a starting point, not only, because you're taking the ball and some of the decisions that Mayfield seemed to be incapable of making out of his hands, but also Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt happen to be very good at their jobs. Um, both of them collectively. And I think with one, them as a one, two punch and always kind of being rested and healthy or one being able to serve for the other, you can build a running game. That's going to be incredibly dynamic for kind of what they're going to be able to do. Um, 
that's a starting point for them, right? I think then beyond that, the question for me though is why I don't really understand what happened, you know, and I, I don't know enough about, I didn't watch enough of Baker Mayfield, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think Kitchens was overwhelmed as a head coach, but I think that you go into that knowing that maybe he's overwhelmed as a head coach, but you get the kind of Sean McVay effect. Cause I, I don't think Sean McVay is that good of a head coach, but Sean McVay is just really good at calling offense. And you started to see them working in that progress. Um, with what they started the year before, what the heck happened between Kitchens and Mayfield that they weren't able to kind of get it together and get things right to, you know, get the ship righted, you know, after that. And to me, that piece, I think the overall team and the, the self implosions and, and the really bad kind of like that kind of stuff was on Kitchens. But I think the offensive stuff, especially when you see it from year to year with the same guy essentially calling the plays, the same offense instilled, the same fundamentals all there. Some of that goes on to the quarterback then. And all of a sudden, you know, once a quarterback starts seeing pressure, seeing, I'm making air quotes, seeing pressure that's not there. Um, in some ways, you can't undo that. You know, uh, Carr in Houston is a guy that just never recovered from kind of once he, not quite the yips, but, but once you're, once you flush out of the pocket when pressure isn't there too, too often, um, teams are going to know that and they're going to design packages that are going to come after that and, and kind of all is lost at that point. Um, and, and Mayfield's biggest knock was his height. And if he's a guy that can't stand in the pocket, can't see over the offensive line, does want to get outside the pocket more than he probably should or or needs to, that spells real trouble for um, you know for Cleveland in the longer term. You know, Kirk Cousins for for all that he was kind of always did his kind of exactly what he was told. <laughs> he got his assignment, he got his job, he he did that kind of in DC, and he did that in in Minnesota. Um, Baker Mayfield remains to be seen whether or not he can fall in line in that sense. And if he can't, um, are they going to be able to have success there? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it all does kind of depend on Mayfield. And he's had two very different seasons. So it's hard to know exactly what he is, I think. Um, but similar to, you know, what we talked about with um, Joe Burrow, he was the first overall pick as a quarterback. And, and that talent was there. He has, you know, he has some skills. We've seen it happen. Um, and I, I think getting him in this system is going to be beneficial because they're not going to have as much pressure on him. It's going to be a run first offense. And I really think, um, having two like really talented running backs and Kareem hunt and, and Nick Chubb is going to take a lot of pressure off him. He can use his athleticism on kind of that play action, you know, the, the boots, um, and, and they obviously have talent at wide receiver too, with, with Beckham and Landry, um, in, and like you said, they brought in uh, tight end uh, Austin Hooper. He's Hooper. you know he's a pretty reliable um, pass catcher too. And I think with that offensive core, you know, with a better offensive line, the ability to run the ball, they're a team that I think is going to definitely be a, a better team um, than the, what we saw last year. And I think it's all going to start with them running the game, running the ball. I mean, we saw what Dalvin Cook was able to do last year in Minnesota. I think the Browns have more talent overall than what the Minnesota Vikings had on offense last year. If you can figure out that run game, they're going to be a team that's potentially very scary if they can if they can get that run game working. You know, I'm thinking back to the Ravens in 2014 when they had that that zone stretch run game that was just so hard to defend and, and running backs that were just able to, you know, gash teams for chunks of yards. And if the Browns can kind of simulate that, simulate what the the Vikings did last year with, with Alvin Cook. They're a team that's going to be um, not much fun to play, I think, if they make it um, into the into the running and into the playoffs at the end of the season. 
Yeah, I, I think it, this speaks a lot to what the Ravens are going to have to do when they play these two teams in terms of, of defensive packages. They, they are going to have to tighten up the run defense. And obviously the loss to Cleveland last year was directly correlated to the fact that they couldn't stop the run in that game. And obviously there were changes and, and we, you know, that's, that story is already written. Um, but I think the Ravens are going to, you're going to see teams evolving a little bit more, you know, within the division towards running the ball a little bit more. And the Ravens are going to have to be better at defending the run. I think they've got the personnel to do it. They're going to be big up front this upcoming year. Uh, but there, like you said, there should be a really steady dose between Cincinnati and Cleveland of um, seeing teams run the ball. And if the Ravens can be kind of the traditional historical Ravens teams in, in stuffing those runs, run games up front, then those, I think that the Ravens are going to have very few problems handling either Cleveland or Cincinnati um, overall when it comes to the division next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens run defense looks this year. I, I think it'll be improved because I think you still have a guy in, in Brandon Williams who's going to be the anchor of the defensive line. Clayus Campbell is obviously an extremely talented run defender as well. So with, with those two, I think you have some of the, the guys who you can have a strong run defense. You know, a lot of it's going to also be based off of how the rookie linebackers look. I, I mean, we talked a little bit about these guys. Um, I think Malik Harrison is a very talented run defender, and that might be a place where he shines early in this season. Um, and he might be a guy who's down down on the field in the first like early downs and comes off in, in sub packages. But I think you know he's a he's a really talented run defender. At least he was in college. Um, and and then you're also asking the outside linebackers to really step up their ability to set the edge, especially against a team like the Browns who are going to be running this outside zone. It's wide zone who um, that's really incumbent on the outside linebackers. And to some extent, you know, the, the defensive backs too, to be able to, to hold at the point of attack and not let that, that's, you know, that front leading edge kind of um, wipe out the, the defense. And then also clearly you need to have defenders who can cover the, the backside cutback gaps too. So it's, there's a reason why, you know, the zone stretch has been ineffective um, kind of play call for you know two decades in in the in the NFL. It's it's really hard to defend if it's done properly with with the right you know offensive lineman and and the Browns. I, I mean, it's hard to say for sure the offensive line was a problem last year, but with Jack, with uh, Jack Conklin now and and Wills, um, you know they, I think they you know they might be able to pull this off. So we'll have to see how the Ravens can do. Um, you know they lost Michael Pierce, who was a big run defender. When he and Williams were next to each other, it was really hard to run on them up the middle. Um, now, the edges was a different story last year, but we'll, we'll see how the Ravens address that concern. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then the Steelers are the other team. There's a real question of how much does Ben Roethlisberger have in the tank? You know, I, I think that we start the conversation on their defense. They're going to be very good on defense. Um they're the Steelers <laughs> and, and they've got a lot of talented guys over on that side of the ball. But I think the question for the Steelers this upcoming year is, are they an eight win team? Cause their offense kind of sputters out and isn't able to kind of get things going or is a big Ben going to be what we've always seen from him and be able to extend plays a little bit, or has he lost a little bit of that step and they're going to have to turn to Connor and Samuels. I mean, those guys have proven not to be able to stay healthy and not be able to have a consistent running game. Um, even when, when they had Ben around. So, you know, I think they have a lot more questions on offense, um, even with Ben coming back, than it seems like they might have when it came to the end of the last year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think Roethlisberger has quietly been 
declining for a couple years now. Like even when he was putting up some some pretty big numbers before he got injured, his overall level of play I think was more middle of the pack than you know top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, he just was making some poor decisions. He was more prone to you know take sacks to turn over the football than he was earlier. And you know he's I think he's what thirty eight years old now. He's not a young quarterback. Um, I think there's always been some conditioning questions with him. Um, and frankly, he had a pretty significant injury, you know, having a Tommy John surgery on throwing arm. That's not something that I think many pitchers come back from when they're 38 years old. It's hard to imagine a, a quarterback coming back and still having the same, you know, zip on his passes, the same touch on his deep balls. Um, I honestly don't know what to expect from Roethlisberger. Um, and I think if he's a league average quarterback, you might be a team that can win 10, 11 games because I think the defense is really talented. Um, they might have the most talented defense in the NFL. I think they're right up there with some of the teams like the, the Ravens um, and, and the Patriots. Maybe they're obviously they were exceptional last year, um, but the Steelers fairly quietly had, a, had an outstanding defense last year. Um, you know, that's what really kept them in the, every game they were in because they had one of the worst offenses you'll ever see with, with between Hodges and um, Mason Rudolph at the quarterback. They were both really, really bad. So I think it's going to depend on the quarterback to a certain extent, but I don't see the upside with Roethlisberger. Um, I think the up upside comes with their defense. Like, frankly, their defense is what's going to have to be the, the game-changing unit on this team. And they do have a lot of playmakers on the defense. Um, you know, TJ Watt was exceptional last year. They brought in uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who was, you know, I think a lot of people kind of laughed at them trading a first-round pick for him, but he ended up being a huge piece of their defense, and he was just a turnover machine. He was an incredible playmaker for them. And they have talent all over the defensive line with Stefan Tuitt, Cameron Hayward. You know, they have Devin Bush coming into his second season. If you expect to see some improved play out of him, um, you still have Joe Hayden at cornerback, Steven Nelson at cornerback. They have a very talented team on defense side of the ball, especially. And if the offense can be kind of like a mediocre uh, unit overall, I, I think that they're definitely a team that's looking at, you know, 10, 11 wins too. Um, and shockingly, it's like we talked about with the other two teams, it all comes back to the quarterback play. You know, can you get that level of quarterback play necessary from the position to keep them in, in games? Because I think their defense will definitely be good. Will the offense be good enough? I don't know. They, I mean, they have a few pieces. I, I don't think their overall offensive talent is is where it used to be. Um, when, like when they had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, is he really a number one? I'm not sure. He's kind of a number two in my mind. Deontay Johnson flashed as a rookie, but, you know, there's it's a lot to expect him to become kind of that Antonio Brown type. I think you see some of that ability in him, but is he really going to step into that role as a, as a number one wide out? Um, I, I'm not sure I see that. And, you know, they brought in Eric Ebron. He's kind of a decent, like, red zone target, but he's also a guy who drops a lot of balls. Um, I, I, I just don't see them having a, an overly – talented offense. They're definitely the worst offense in the division, in my opinion. And the question is, is their defense going to be good enough to keep them in, in games, um, enough games, I should say. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we saw from the the Patriots last year that you don't have to have a great offense if you have a great defense and you can stay in games. And and that's been tried and true in the NFL for really a long time. Let's let's you know that's not a phenomenon of last year. There have been plenty of teams that have done it that way. The Ravens have won a Super Bowl that way. Um, so the formula still works. And I think that that the you know when you're looking at the Steelers, that's that's a good starting point. You know. I think that Chris Boswell played out of his mind last year. Um, and, and I think that there are potentially two losses on the table that that he covered just by kicking the heck out of the ball and not missing in a way that he t- traditionally has in his career. So I don't know that the baseline is even eight wins for them or nine wins. What were they? Whatever they were last year. I think they were eight wins last year. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if that's actually technically the baseline. Um, and, and I think that, you know, in the same way that I thought that the baseline is higher as a starting point for Cincinnati, um, that being said, obviously with Ben and the evolution there, you're at a little bit of a better starting point on offense. That being said, in the two games that Ben did play before he got hurt last year, he was not very good. Um, you know, I think under 60% in terms of passing, he didn't have any touchdown passes. Granted, you know, the pieces that he had historically weren't there, but those pieces aren't going to be back next year either. Um, and, you know, I, I think it leaves some really big question marks for, for what they're going to do on offense. But, you know, you talked a little bit about the coaching situations in Cincinnati and Cleveland. I think you get a little bit of the opposite of that in Pittsburgh. Um, I despise Mike Tomlin because I think he's a <laughs> cheater and, and I, I can't fathom a coach so blatantly cheating a game on the field and getting away with it other than Tomlin. And I, I think he gets credit for that for some reason that, that is beyond the life of me. Um, I've never seen a coach do anything like that in any other professional sport ever. That being said, I think he's a good overall head coach. He rallies his teams really well. He understands what his strengths of his teams are and, and generally plays to them. And we didn't see Cleveland or Cincinnati doing that last year. Are they going to have kind of better head coaching situations, you know, this year? And are they going to be smarter? I think Cincinnati's way behind the curve there. Um, and there's a good chance that that they could get totally undermined by their lack of quality coaching. Um, but I think Pittsburgh and, um, you know, depending on what you think of Stefanski, I, I, I like him. I think that they're going to be, you know, both Pittsburgh and Cleveland are going to be in solid shape from that coaching perspective. And, and to me, that gives Pittsburgh the the edge over Cleveland. Um but even just us talking about this, I think earlier I mentioned it seemed like there was a clear hierarchy. I think there's real room for Cleveland to to jump Pittsburgh. I don't think that Cincinnati's got the talent to jump either of those two teams, but um, I don't know if I'd call it 2A and 2B. I think it's still two and then three between these two teams. But even just kind of talking through the roster right now and looking at Pittsburgh's offense, I'm not so sure that Pittsburgh is as far ahead of Cleveland as I thought they were before we started this podcast. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in agreement with you. I think it's pretty close. I would have. I would have Pittsburgh, um, a, a little bit up above Cleveland, just because I think their defense is maybe the best unit in any of any unit in the, the division, aside from maybe the Ravens' offense. Like they're definitely um, a really, really good um, side of the ball, and and that I think matters. Um, I also, like you said, I think uh, Mike Tomlin is probably clear. I mean, he's clearly a very good head coach. He's been around for a very long time. He's been very successful. Um, I think Steelers fans might gripe about him a little more than is deserved, but. Um, Shocking. <laughs> you know, fans never gripe about coaching. Um, but yeah, I, I think I do think it's pretty close between the two teams. And I think that Cleveland 
probably has more upside than, than Steelers. If everything goes right, um, I see them being a team that could potentially, you know, maybe win even 11, 12 games. Um, although I find it unlikely because the Ravens are probably also going to win 12 plus games, I would think. Um, and to have, you know, two teams with 12 wins is pretty rare in the division, although it's happened in the AFC North before. Um, I, I just don't think with, without having a doormat in the division, I don't think the Bengals would be a doormat. It's, it's going to be hard to see that happen. So I really think that it's, it's going to be close be, between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I think they're probably both in the nine to 11 win territory. And it's probably just going to come down to maybe something as silly as like a missed field goal or, or coach, bad coaching decision, you know, something like that, that kind of will decide um, who comes in second. And it's possible that they both make the playoffs too with an expanded playoff um, field. Yeah, I definitely think that's right. I think there's a, a, an opportunity for them both to potentially get in. But, you know, we've talked about this before on this podcast, not to be a broken record. The Ravens, I think, are head and shoulders above these guys. Um, it would be a real disappointment if Baltimore didn't win the division this upcoming year um, with talent on both. I think they're better on both sides of the ball than, than all these teams, except maybe the Steelers defense might be on par on paper with the Ravens defense, but I think the Ravens are going to come out ahead given kind of where their playmakers are when, when all is said and done. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's correct. And, you know, I was just looking up um, DVOA from last season and although it's not a perfect statistic and obviously teams have changed in their personnel to some extent, um, the Ravens were the number one team in the NFL by a significant margin. According to DVOA, they have number one offense and number four defense. I think, they could probably have the number one offense again. They might have the number one defense. Like I think they could easily put up a year that's similar from a you know analytical kind of statistical measure. Um, Pittsburgh was 18th in the league. That's not great. They had the 32nd ranked offense. That's really really bad. The defense was third. So clearly the defense is very talented, um, but. I think they're still probably going to be a top five defense, but the offense is there just is lacking talent there. And and having Ben Roethlisberger come back, I don't know if that's worth you know four games. Um, Cleveland was ranked twenty third in DVOA. They had the twentieth ranked um, offense and a twenty second ranked defense. I think their defense will be a little better. I think their offense might be a lot better, but you know it's hard to see them making a huge step forward. Cincinnati was ranked 29th. They had the 29th ranked offense, 30th ranked defense. They really were pretty bad last year, all three of these teams. And and that was played out to some extent on, in the standings, but not as much as you might expect from a team that or from teams that really perform pretty poorly on both sides of the ball. Yeah. The the only slight quibble there I would have is that I feel like Cincinnati intentionally tanked, even though they would never cop to it. Yeah, I mean, I I there, there, there might be a little bit of an underlying, under, uh, underlying kind of hidden data there. But I also think that Cleveland didn't get better on defense. Um, I, I don't see where they significantly upgraded at any position. The loss of Scobert's going to be, I think, big for them in the middle of that defense. Um, and they were they were 20th seems about or 22nd, whatever you said they were, it seemed right about where they were last year. And I think it's very possible with the major injury to, you know, Garrett, if, if he goes down and doesn't play a significant amount of time or Ward, um, that you could see that defense regress real quickly. Um, or if teams can figure out a way to kind of avoid those two guys, there's just there's just not a whole lot more there on their defense, I don't see. 
Yeah, I mean, they did. So Garrett had a suspension for what the last third, last six games, yeah, last six games. So I think that's fairly significant. He's maybe that's fair. The top, you know, three or four defensive players in the NFL. I think he was on on his way to potential defensive player of the year last year. Yeah, he was. Um, he was having a monster season, and and he's just incredibly talented. So, I, and you know, you're right that they don't have a huge amount of talent behind him. I think. I think uh, Ward is at the cornerback. I think he's pretty good. Denzel Ward, um, yeah. Denzel Ward, yeah. And, you know, they have a few guys um, up front. Uh, but overall, it's not an amazingly talented defense. I would definitely agree with that. Um, but I do think having someone like Miles Garrett is is just some something you can really kind of lean on and and – Especially if the offense is is a little better, it kind of takes some of the pressure off the defense. I think it kind of works that way. Um, we've seen that happen with the Ravens, especially if the Browns kind of lean on the run game some more and, and take um, some of these longer possessions, kind of what what we've seen the Ravens do over the past couple of years, where they have these long drives that just allow you know teams to have to stay off on the field for a long time, and then the defense is fresh. Um, I know there's people who would argue that doesn't really matter, but I think it might have some effect. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that they're, they're really just going to be depending on how much their offense changes. That's, that's what's going to drive the Cleveland Browns in 2020. I mean, they all, but in the first six weeks of the season, when Garrett was still playing with them, they gave up 43 points to the Titans. They gave up 25 or uh, 25 points to Baltimore, 31 points to San Francisco, 32 points to Seattle. Um, you know, yeah, Garrett is, definitely an MVP quality player. Um, but I don't see it, it even last year wasn't translating to be enough to carry the entirety of that defense all the way through. Now, obviously once he was gone, they were giving up 31 points to Baltimore, 33 points to Cincinnati, 38 points to Arizona. So it didn't get any, <laughs> it didn't get any better without him, but it was, you know, they, they had similar games across the board in their schedule, both before and after Garrett. Um, so yeah, he's a monster and, and, you know, I would love to have a pass rusher like him on the Ravens. Um, but I just don't, you know, other than Ward, I just don't see a lot of other talent on that team. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year to see kind of second, third jockeying for position in the AFC North. We've talked about wanting to watch the development of Burrow and and the whole Cincinnati offense, I think is going to be interesting to watch as they develop and kind of what happens there. Um but beyond that, again, you know, hopefully knock on wood, we have a football season. But as long as that that's the case, I think that I think that the Ravens are still in a, a really good in really good shape to run away with this thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're probably a two game lead over, over any team in the division. When, and when we look at the final standings, like I said, I think expect 12 wins. I think they could, you know, potentially match last season. They could go 14 and two. Um, you know, we just saw that they're favored in sports books in every single game of the season. That's, you know, that's not something that most teams are going to see heading into the, into the season. So part of that speaks to how good the Ravens are. Part of that speaks to the Ravens not having a very tough schedule as well. Um, so I, I think the Ravens are, you know, are set to be really successful in this upcoming season. I think the AFC North got better, but I think that, yeah, the, the Ravens are still the cream of the crop in this division and, and they're up there with KC as, you know, two of the top teams in the entire NFL. 
All right. Well, that wraps us up here tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you guys can check out our articles and our writing at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, feel free to join us on the forums there. We're regularly posting about all kinds of stuff. There was an interesting little discussion about Justice Hill that got started today. Um, <laughs> that we've got some some differing opinions, both from some folks that have been involved in scouting um, at the NFL level, as well as some other posters. Um, feel free to join us chatting over there. You can also catch us on Twitter. I'm at at BSL Jordan Co. Gabe is at Gabe Fergie. We'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Yep, thanks, guys.